Amen. If you got your Bible, tonight, we're going to Philemon chapter 1. <laughs> chapter 1. <laughs> uh, there's only one chapter, amen. And uh, Galatians chapter 5. Philemon chapter 1, Galatians chapter 5. I'll refrain from using any Jamaican jokes. Philemon, I will not say that. Amen. Make sure my phone's turned down. So all my friends don't call me during church with all the job offers and everything. Amen. Oh, I love being in God's house. I love being here. I love being in our church. I love that we can come and have a good time and uh, just worship the Lord. You know, they. Uh, you know, I don't believe that it was a, a stuffy uh, church service where you could hear a pin drop when Jesus met with the disciples. I think there was fellowship and happiness and a good spirit. And whatever songs they were singing, I'm sure there was some oomph in it. Singing with Jesus, like his, in the flesh, is I can't even. Amen. But we all know that Paul wrote a lot of the books of the Bible. Amen. The New Testament and and a lot of a lot of the, the books. And I think we forget this. I feel like I forget it sometimes. I'm always telling myself. A lot of them are letters written to churches. And in this Philemon, Philemon and uh, Paul penned these words while he was under lock and key in prison um, to a man named Philemon who was, who was at that time holding church services directly in his house. Uh, secular history tells us that Philemon eventually was stoned to death for his faith. I have no reason to doubt that. Um, I think of this verse, and you don't have to turn there, but Acts 2.46, we know this. It says, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat. They meet with gladness and singleness of heart. And people will, people will take that verse sometimes, and, and oh, I say people, particularly a preacher that's just trying to get across door-to-door soul winning. They'll take this verse and combine it with uh, going to the highways and byways and say, see, look, uh, we ought to be door knocking. Well, it's good to door knock, but God didn't say you have to go from house to house knocking on doors, passing out tracts. God didn't say that. He just said get the gospel out. Oh, that's one mode of doing it, and that's just fine. But there's no biblical verse that says that's what we have to do. And preachers will take that because they were taught in their circles, this is what we have to do. Therefore, here's a scripture that must go with it. But that's not the case here. When we see this uh, where they're meeting in the house, they're having church in the house. And a lot of times they would do that. They'd go from house to house, and they would have church at your house and have church at your house. It's not like they had a whole Baptist church with air conditioning and really nice chairs. They were meeting in homes. And glory to God for that. But here we have Philemon. Uh, it is the shortest letter, the shortest book in the New Testament. And I, and I thought to myself, no, Jude is the shortest book in the New Testament. Why? Why am I reading that? This is the shortest book. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. I look at the book of Jude, and there's 25 verses there. And then Philemon has 25. You know why they say it's the shortest book in the New Testament? The same amount of verses, but less words. So technically, shortest. Shortest letter, right? By my words. That's, amen. Amen. These first seven verses are the intro to the letter, but it's also a, a prayer, really. It says, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and, and, and Timothy, our brother, and to Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. Remember, this is a letter directly to a man named Philemon. And to our beloved uh, Aphia and Archippus, I'm saying that wrong. What is it, Rachel? 
Is it right? Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. I'm looking forward, I'm looking forward to getting into this message. Mr. Ben, would you pray for the message, sir? Amen. I remember being a teenager and preteen, more along those lines, and literally just thinking about, boy, I wonder where his teenagers are going out to eat after church. Just dwelling on it. I would, I would take, I would take the tithing envelopes and write at Prayer Baptist Church, and because I was so spiritual, and I would write songs I want to work on when I get home. Isn't that awful? That's, we're not here to daydream. What a waste of time it would be to come in the house of God just to think about anything else but the word of God. Amen. Philemon, verse 8, says, Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such an one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And when I read that, I had to read it, and I had to read it. And it wasn't jiving with me. Um, I thank God for a King James Bible, but some of these are, are older words that we don't use. So I had to look them up, what they mean. I'm, I'm only 40. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm not an old man, but I'm not a young buck, and there's words I don't know. To enjoin means to command or charge. And convenient means to fit, appropriate, as in it's proper, like, like these two pieces of tile fit together it's convenient it's appropriate it's proper for them to be together um if i was just to read the word enjoyment and convenient i would think of two different words in our modern day culture but in understanding that paul's paul's saying that he might be so bold as to charge thee with what be fitting what would be fitting or proper if he could he would like to be so bold as to tell you something and let you know something amen Paul's saying that he felt like he needed to command you as to what you need to do, but because he's older and wiser, he would rather ask. As in Paul's saying, Paul's saying that, that, that he's wiser than he used to be, but in a humble way, he's saying Paul the aged. I kind of got a kick out of that, referring to himself, Paul the aged. Uh, Noah, uh, Paul the, Noah the younger, amen. Paul the aged, he's saying, Paul the aged, I'm... I'm an older man. I'm a little wiser now. He's being polite. He's got some wisdom. And I'm sure that there's a lot of wisdom in Paul. Amen. He says, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again. Thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels. Bowels is like your, your, your own flesh and your internal organs, your bowels. That's, he's saying that it's, it's me, myself. He, amen. 
verse 13. He said, whom I would have retained with me that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. Paul's acknowledging that at one time in the, in the past, this man Onesimus did Philemon wrong. Um, we'll see in the text, we'll read it in a minute, but, but at some point Onesimus was a servant to Philemon. I want to make sure I'm getting this right in my head. He was a servant to Philemon. And at some point or another, Onesimus left Philemon and he wronged him. Whether he left the servant contract, uh, it alludes to that he may have stole something from him, but he did him wrong. Whether it was, we don't know the story, and it doesn't even matter. But Paul's acknowledging that in the text here, amen. Uh, Paul, Paul here, he's vouching for Onesimus. And, 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 and we'll read it, he's, he's vouching for him, saying, hey, he's my brother in the Lord. Basically, he, he's, he's gotten saved or he's gotten things right. And I can vouch for him. He's been a blessing to me. He's serving God now. Whatever happened in the past, I'm going to send him to you. Please receive him. Receive him not just as a servant, but as a brother. Amen. Verse 14. He says, But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit shall not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. Paul said, without thy mind, as in, I don't want you to do it unless you're willing. Unless you're mindful of to do it, unless you're will, don't just do it out of necessity, just because I'm asking. Don't do it just because you feel like you have to. Do it if it's something that you want to do. That's what he's saying here. Verse 15, he says, For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever. Now, not as a servant, but above a servant. A brother beloved, especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. There is um, church members that we have and Christians in my life that, that I would say, man, what a blessing they've been in the flesh, but let alone in the Lord. You know, I, that's what Paul's saying here 100%. He, he's, he's, he's putting, Paul's putting his testimony on the line with Onesimus. That's how much. Uh, he's, he's putting it out there, amen. But Paul said, please receive him not as a servant anymore, but above a servant, as in part of the family. Paul's already acknowledged Onesimus as a son in the Lord, as you read in the beginning of the text. He, he referenced Onesimus as his son, amen. And, and, and now even a part of his own flesh, talking about his own bowels, receive him as in my own bowels, amen. And Paul's asking Philemon to do the same. Verse 17, if thou uh, count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he hath wronged thee or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. If, hey, if, he, if he did anything wrong, amen, if he owes you anything, I'll pay it back. Put it on my account. He said, I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it. Albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me thine own self besides. I'd like to point something out that just came to my mind. Um, I'm not against commentaries. I'm, I'm thankful for what we can learn from them. But a commentary is just another man uh, that studied out. A man could absolutely be wrong. And I don't believe that there's probably any uh, 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 um, um, well-studied person that, uh, uh, of the scriptures that would agree with every commentary. I mean, it's just the way it is, right? 
Uh, we're going to look at our lens through different circles and different uh, uh, ideas, amen, that'll set the stage for other things. Um, you say, why do you say that? Because something just jumped out at me that I want to point out. I read, actually, nope, it's in, it's in my, uh, um, in the little, I wonder if it's in here. Go to, let me get there physically. Um, at the end of Philemon, in my, um, I'm going to waste our time going here. At the end of Philemon, in my little study notes, in my study, um, ah, I'm going to waste my time. It says, written by the hand of Onesimus, blah, 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 on his way. And I, and I literally thought, oh, this commentary said that Onesimus wrote it. It just was in the back of my mind. But what did we just read? He said, where is it? Um, verse 19, I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. Huh. Paul wrote this. <laughs> not, not Onesimus. Paul wrote it. Commentaries can be wrong. Amen. That's why we don't count them as scriptures. It's just getting another man's opinion. Amen. But Paul, he's really putting his reputation at stake here. He's putting it all in the hands of this man named Onesimus. Look at verse 20. He said, Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. Paul's basically saying, I, I know that you'll do the right thing, Philemon. I know you were wrong. I know he did you wrong. Uh, uh, maybe he owes you some money. Put it to my account. I know you're going to do the right thing. I consider him my son. That's what this letter to Philemon, the gist of it is all about. From Paul to Philemon, talk about Onesimus. You say, well, why would, put this, why would God put this in the canon of Scripture? Well, that, that's an easy answer as a pastor. It's part of learning. <laughs> Right. That's why it's there. But first of all, it's a beautiful picture of reconciliation. Gorgeous picture of it. Um, but there's more to the story than, than that. Um, I, taught some, I taught some kids when I was on the school bus when Miss Troll was driving us, Miss Darla. And I was going to Schweitzer, I think, elementary I told these, I taught these kids how to cuss in another language. Taught them cuss words in another language. It was pig Latin, which is even worse. <laughs> it's like a double embarrassing, right? And um, those kids were were cussing at home, and, and, and their, their dad was not happy. So their dad came and knocked on the door and let my daddy know what was happening. And after I got my rear end tanned, high, high tanned, I was sent down, and I had to walk down the street to my buddy's house and apologize to them, apologize to his parents for what I did. It was wrong in, in the whole gamut. Um, and, and my dad was so right. I'm so thankful that he did that. Um, um, the, <laughs> I, I, um, <laughs> my dad was teaching me a lesson in doing the right thing and owning up to what you've done. Paul was doing much of the same. That's just one com component of the story. He, you wronged him, I'm going to send you to go whatever I'm doing. I'm sending you to go back there. You need to make things right. Hey, Philemon, hey, I love this guy. He's serving the Lord. I hope you'll do the right thing. Onesimus, go. I'm sending you for what I'm sending you for. You need to make things right with your past. That's happening right here. 
Um, I shot out a sliding glass window one time with my BB gun. And, uh, boy, I got caught. It was a sliding glass door, man, my neighbor's house. I'm not as smart as you guys might have thought I was as a kid. And, uh, boy, I got spanked so hard for that. Uh, I had to saw my BB gun in three pieces. It was the whole thing. It had a scope and everything, you know. And I and I earned it by working for two bucks an hour. It was a fifty dollar BB gun when I was like ten years, thirty years old. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But I had to make things right and pay for that window at two bucks an hour. <laughs> Amen. My dad let me know. Oh, that was after getting some spanking too and apologizing to him and the whole thing. But 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 you can never have a good testimony. If you make things right for what you've done in the past. What kind of a testimony? Well, oh, yeah, that's that kid. Oh, he just came giving me a track. He busted out my window a year ago. Yeah, I ain't going to listen to him. Are you kidding me? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, witnessing to the, to the family down the street. Hey, aren't you the boy that three years ago taught my kids how to cuss? Yeah, that was me. We do that a lot, then we expect God to bless us, even though we didn't make things right in our past. We just want to move on and stay bitter or stay whatever. Amen. I know a, a man who had an affair with the pastor's wife. Then he ended up marrying her. And then he looked for a church where nobody knew him because he went to a big church. He, he, he looked until he found a big church where no, or, uh, he looked until he found a small church where nobody knew what he had done, and he stayed there for years and years and years um, because, because it, then he wouldn't go to any other fellowships because everyone knew what he did over He's got awful testimony over there, so he can't go to any of those because they know what he did. He never ma- it's just easier to make things right. It's easier to make things right. And Paul the, the, the aged and all his wisdom, he's sending Onesimus back to where he came from, amen, to make things right. We've all been wronged by somebody, whether we like it or not. The problem is, did they ever ask for forgiveness? Did you ever ask for forgiveness? Amen. You say, but pastor, you don't know what they did to me or said to me. Who cares? Let it go. We're not like eight years old. <laughs> Let it go. Who cares? Jesus proved a point to the disciples when the disciples asked, how many times should we forgive someone? And you have to turn there, but it's Matthew 18, 21 says, then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? So seven times, because that seems like, I mean, in the flesh, I could see like, I just forgave Tim seven times. He Shot my car window out with a BB gun seven times in a row. Seven's like a perfect number. It's like a, a God number. It's a churchy number. I, seems like a lot of times to forgive somebody. The flesh don't like that. Lord, seven times good enough to forgive them? And what would Jesus answer? No. He goes, 70 times seven. You know what Peter did? Oh, 490. Okay, 490 times. That's how many times I need to forgive him. You can shoot out my window 490 times. No. No. Jesus is saying, you, you forgive them. Then you forgive them again. Then you forgive them again. Then you forgive them. We have legalistic Christians that are going to say chapter, book, and verse. 
Jesus said 490 times to forgive them. Really? You're going to deny forgiveness at that 450th time? How many times have you asked the Lord for forgiveness for whatever you've done in your life over and over and over again? Don't look at my numbers. <laughs> it's way more than 490. The point is just to forgive and to forgive and to forgive. Amen. Uh, you've got Christians that will stare at a gnat in the midst of the whole forest. Amen. I made an illustration with the kids on the Wednesday night class, and it didn't go so well. I was trying to prove a point, and I was teaching this point right here, forgiveness, you know, and what Jesus said about it. And I thought, to, I thought to illustrate the point, I got a couple of those um, cardboard roll Christmassy things, you know, you know what I'm talking about, like a big toilet paper roll. I got one of those. And to prove a point, I, we had like 30 or 40 kids all the time back there. And I divided it up. And, and, and 490 divided by 30 or 40 kids was like they each uh, got to swing with that bat like, like 20 times or 30 times, whatever it is. And, and I thought, I'll let them hit me on the rear end that many times apiece. And we'll sit there for 10 minutes and they'll be swinging that. And it's going to be like great. And they're going to understand like 490 is a lot. And then I'm going to say even more than that we're going to forgive. And that was, it was going to be awesome, Rob. But my boys, because they're in the front row, started out first. And they broke that thing. Ben went first. But no, Rachel, I think she's almost going to cry. Because Noah was passionately swinging like a crazy man. To pieces. They enjoyed that moment. So we couldn't even finish the whole little thing I was teaching because they just, they, you ruined it with your savageness. I know. I had to turn around and hit you with it probably. But it was like, um, didn't go exactly how I pictured it in my mind. Rachel was horrified. My boys were loving it. The kids in the class were going nuts. It was, it was quite a sight. Amen. Amen. Well, Paul's asking Philemon, hey, forgive Onesimus for whatever it was that he did. I'm vouching for him. He's now serving God. He's a blessing to me. The problem that we have as human beings is we have free will. Absolutely. Uh, we're given free liberty, amen, to do whatever we want to, whether it's wrong or whether it's right. Turn to Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. See, this is the problem with liberty. This is the problem that we have with free will is we're still fleshly. Galatians 5, 1 says, Stand fast, therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Jump to verse 13. For brethren, we have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. If Onesimus was a servant to Philemon, and Onesimus broke whatever contract they had, or whatever he did to wrong him, because he wronged him, he did wrong somehow, um, Philemon had every right to take him to whatever court. He had every right to, 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 to rectify the situation, how he saw fit as an employee to uh, 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 an employee employer to an employee as a master to a servant he had some legal grounds there 
to rectify the situation. But Lehman had the liberty to make things right or to get his revenge. King David had the liberty to let Mephibosheth go from being a poor beggar, crippled beggar with no future at all, living on the backside of a desert to bringing him up to the table eating with the family of God, not as a servant, but as a son, with all the benefits of a son. And you want to talk about a picture of salvation, it is Mephibosheth, 100%. And that's what I think of when I think of Onesimus. Paul's saying he's not just a servant, he's more than a servant. He's, he's a son, he's family. Whatever he's wrong, let's, let's get things right together. Amen. Part of the family of God. He, he was wrong, but he's apologizing. I'm sending him to you. We're going to... Reconcile, amen. I tell you, that's what Christ has done with me. That's what he's done with you if you're born again tonight. We're reconciled. We're not just somebody who's lost on the backside of a desert. But one day the king came knocking on my heart's door and said, hey, you're invited to come to the table. But Fibosheth did not have to go. You realize that. You don't have to accept Christ. You don't have to accept the offer from the king. You can stay in your poor estate, amen, but man, it's a free gift of salvation for Mephibosheth and for us as well, amen. I love the picture of salvation even in the Old Testament. Romans chapter 12 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourself, your bodies a what? living sacrifice wholly acceptable to God which is your reasonable service that is the problem with the living sacrifices we can get off the altar at any time because we have a free will oh we have liberty in Christ that's part of the love that he gave us but we have free will to do whatever we want to we have liberty to not come to church on Sunday night there is no chapter in book and verse that says you got to come to church on Sunday night there's just not but the only encouragement when people come to the house of God, man, there's always excitement that comes with it. These Sunday mornings, it's been encouraging just to have more people. And they've been coming back. That's even more encouraging. Amen. Me and Rachel were talking about just, just hearing the, the, the roar of people talking in the auditorium is just a blessing. I'm going to tell, I'm going to start making announcements to keep it down. I can't hear the music. Amen. Amen. But we have liberty to stay home. We have liberty to jump off the altar of sacrifice. We have liberty to do whatever we want to do. But oh, what a blessing it is when God's people have a desire to be in the house of God whenever we can. Because when you don't come, you're making a statement to God and man that it's not important to meet tonight. Once a day is enough. I don't need to come back tonight. There's no benefit to coming back tonight. I'll never come back tonight. And you're making a statement and you're raising a flag that says, Sunday nights aren't important. Well, God didn't command us to come to church Sunday night. We don't have to. But boy, what a blessing it is. Why wouldn't we? Amen. Philemon had the liberty to decide if he would forgive Onesimus or not. And Onesimus had the, the liberty to ask for forgiveness or not. What a blessed circle that is. And we all have liberty in Christ, but oh, wouldn't it be far better 
if we used our liberty to encourage as opposed to discourage one another. Uh, as in, I don't have to forgive you. I have the liberty to do so. I don't have to ask for forgiveness. I have liberty in Christ. Amen, you do. You have liberty. You don't have to, you don't have to ask for forgiveness. Look, look at 1 Corinthians 8 9. You're probably already there. <clears throat> it says, but t take heed lest it, by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. Yeah, you got liberty to do what you want, but you might be a stumbling block to somebody else. Before we proclaim, I don't have to go to church on Sunday night, or I don't have to forgive you for whatever, have you considered how you might be affecting that weaker Christian that's deciding, should I go to church on Sunday nights or not? Jessica doesn't go. Why do I need to go? Did Philemon take Onesimus in as a brother and part of the family of God? What's the end of the story with that? It doesn't say in the book of Philemon. It's in the Colossians chapter 4, verse 8. It'll be our last scripture tonight. We'll close in a few minutes. Jessica's like, man, I'm glad I came to church tonight. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> scripture doesn't call it out plainly, but we have a pretty good clue that there was reconciliation. Uh, with a little digging, I was really excited, and I, I didn't see this till today. But I learned that Philemon's house was in the city of Colossae. Am I saying that right, guys? Colossae? I think so. I'll go with it. And I thought, wait a minute, city of Colossae. That's the, that's the Colossians. Paul wrote a letter to the, to the Colossians. When was this written? When was that written? And I realized that Philemon was written first and then the book of Colossians like a year or two later. Very, it was the very next book that he wrote, Philemon and then Colossians. And in it, in the book of Colossians, and I got excited about this, at the closing of the letter, Paul references 